0: You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy.
1: Hi there, my name is Mark Lieberzon. I made paintings, photography, and collage assemblage works as a living, and I can't imagine doing anything else.
0: Mark Lieberzon is a mixed media artist who's been exhibiting and selling his work throughout Canada, the US, and Japan for nearly 25 years. His work has appeared in print and TV, including Canadian House and Home, Style Canada, and HGTV Canada. Here's my chat with Mark Lieberzon. Who are you and what do you make for a living?
1: Uh, My name is Mark Lieberzon. I am a Toronto-based artist. I work in, or I would almost say I'm multidisciplinary in that I do painting, photography, and then I even do collage assemblage works as well. Um, I tend to almost try to follow model artists like Warhol, Peter Max, Jeff Koons, Murakami, uh, a lot of artists who really have their fingers in a lot of pies in that they love the creative process, um, it's probably been a detriment in that I do almost spread myself out because I enjoy the creative process so much that I don't sort of siphon it all into into one defined um, series of work or body of work that I've developed over the years. Um, so I so when people come see my work in a booth, they'll or online or on a show, they're thinking, wait, you did that but you did that as well. And it could sometimes confuse them because they don't expect to see artists showing different bodies of work. Um, But that said, uh, my background was graphic design. I graduated in 92, um, as my mother would say, with honors, um, uh, in the communications and design department at the Ontario College of Art, or it's now OCAD U uh, because it's now an accredited university. And uh, so, yes, I started doing graphic design for a few years for a few smaller companies. Hated it um but that was also just having the the junior job Um uh, so i it, it, it wasn't for me the hours were fine it was the technology side of things at the time uh, oca didn't instruct us well enough in terms of the technology side of things computers so it was tough to really catch up really quickly with that point of view the concepts and ideas were always easy it was then having to rely on computers really being an extension of the creative process and that was sometimes the more difficult task. right? And then as it sort of took me through uh, the nineties, I was doing a bit of faux finishing when it was popular. Uh, I was doing some illustration and, but I was still always doing my painting. And so that's when I started to focus on for pretty much full time now. And I pretty much rely on uh, doing art shows both here in Canada and the States. And I've traveled um, abroad. I, I did a show uh, two years ago in Japan and uh, trying to keep maintaining online presence. I have some gallery representation. I actually used to have my own art gallery uh, for four years. So, yeah, just always trying to find different ways and avenues of getting out there.
0: What is it about art in general that that caught you? Did it always grab your attention and and act as an outlet for you?
1: It was it was just that it was the I was a pretty hyper kid. So I mean, we're talking the the poster child for ADD. So I. Myself and I think even my my teachers uh, would always realize that that was the one area that I used to flourish. My academics were fine; I graduated, you know, with with a high grade grade point average uh, after high school. But the reality was, is my focus and attention, and I guess just uh, being able to sort of hone in my energy in what I was doing creatively seemed to be that thing. Uh, seemed to be the one focus I managed to maintain well, and that was both in school and even at home. So my mom used to see, you know. Uh, That I would improvise with a paper bag, and I would like decorate it with paint and pipe cleaners and glitter, and like make masks and you know do different. I don't know if I was necessarily dancing around and doing plays, but I think I was playing up on the theatrical side of things as well when it came to the arts. Um, So it was just something that always fascinated me and um, natural historical elements. So I used to draw pictures of birds and flowers, and I think that just also was an extension of work that I started to do or continue to do this to this day. So it's sort of interesting how that all happens.
0: Certainly you had a propensity for art and creativity at a young age. And, and, you know, you followed through education-wise. You obviously went through the programs at at OCAD. What motivated you to just continue going? You said you felt slightly unprepared to come out of OCAD. At that time, you were a little bit more hands-on, and a little less computer, which is where stuff was going. Right. What made you think, I'm going to pivot here and go the fine art route?
1: Well, the funny thing is, is I was also one of those kids at, or not kids, but students at OCAD, who took full advantage of what the school had to offer. So I was taking classes in foundry, plastics, printmaking, um, I, uh, ceramics. I was taking what uh, glass forming. I was taking whatever programs. I figured I'm never going to get access to these uh, studio um, advantages ever again. So I took as many classes I as I could. So on top of my regular eight credit course load that I would have to have for my communication design. I would usually take an extra four credits every year. So every year I pretty much graduated with anywhere between 11 and 13 credits because I would even take summer classes. So I just knew that doing, again, as I approach with my art, using multidisciplinary materials and always experimenting and just trying to be creative in new different ways. I knew that that was just simply my vocation. I just Mm -hmm. knew that was going to be me. Um, it's not to say that I didn't think, okay, and even to this day, think, okay, maybe I should have gotten a more conventional job, but I don't think I'm a conventional job kind of person. So I think having something a bit more freeform like the arts was really the, the one place for me to, to go and to focus on.
0: Tell me about the moment you knew you were going pro. Was there a time when you kind of you made a big sale, you got a big client, or there was there was something that said this is it? I've arrived as an artist. I'm going to make a run at it.
1: When I finally moved away from doing the faux finishing because I was working with clients directly, and as you know, when you're when you're a freelancer, um, I don't know if you found that with with uh, advertising or if you always worked for a company, but freelancing, you know, you're starting to see what people are like when you work directly in their home. That. You know they always want more than they can get, and and of course the their their pockets are empty, but they want everything that they could get from you. And in a weird way, I I guess when I started realizing, okay, let me try my art out there, and I was doing tons and tons of shows. And I mean, thank goodness for my parents who are schlepping me around to all the different shows and venues and shopping malls and outdoor shows and venues. And once I started realizing that certain people were gravitating towards the art as opposed to necessarily worrying about the person behind the art. I thought, I like this, especially when you're doing something where you're so vulnerable by, by literally expressing something and putting it out there mm-hmm. without any sense as to how it's going to land. And then if, it, if someone comes up to you and has an emotional response to a particular piece, or as you explain the, the basis of a particular piece, they I've had people who have cried. I've had people who will buy a piece. Be, you know, I have a series of hand-painted photographs of my grandmother, Mm -hmm. but I'll have people who will buy them because they said it either reminds them of their grandmother or a time when. So it's sort of interesting to see that sort of connection that people will have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really part of the draw. I mean, of course, it's nice to know if I can make a living doing what I'm doing without having to resort to, as I joke, sexual favors or anything like that. But the reality (laughs) is is there's something so self-rewarding about it, and, and again, part of it is, is the people you get to meet while you're doing this, the places you get to see, and um, just getting a sense of what people will gravitate toward. I mean, it's, it, it just seems so rewarding. It's like, you know, I, I guess it'd be equative of an actor being on stage and getting their standing ovation. I mean, who doesn't want those few momentary lapses of, of adulation and, and adoration to, to be appreciated for what you just presented?
0: When you brought up something that I, I hear on a regular basis, which is folks participating in the arts world and they come together at these shows or they, you know, they're doing the the fairs and there's a real sense of community.
1: Well, they do. Well, even as artists, like when we do a show together, I mean, we'll spend, you know, you'll see us as as you will with any screen age, as a friend of mine calls it. You know, we'll be staring down at our phones because we'll be texting each other, wondering, okay, how's it going? What's happening? Have you sold? And and there's there is that camaraderie. I mean, there's always friendly fire in the sense that we we always we all want to do well on the show, but inevitably one person or a few people will end up doing really well at a particular show. But at the end of the day, we're still it's still a friendly competition because we're all in this together, you know, especially if it's a show that's outdoors and let's say the, the rain is really bad. Or there's no one who's coming, or or whatever the case may be. We we commiserate because you know the, there's the company that we 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 you know we're all a bunch of carnies at the end of the day, and you know we're all commi- able to commiserate and 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 sort of know that we're in the same similar situation. All standing outside of our booths, you know, doe eyed and and trying to mine our p's and q's and just hoping that again that we get that that adulation and and hopefully a we'll sale. Oh. Because you know, the shows themselves are a grind. Uh, you know, if they're outdoors, you're dealing with the weather and, and the outside elements. If they're indoors, you're dealing with with very large um, expenses. Cause a lot of these art fairs and, and trade shows are extremely expensive. So by the time we're done, we have several thousand dollars tied up on the what if, you know, the what if and what might happen factor of things which is very frustrating.
0: Yeah, and that's something that I I think a lot of people don't realize is that the artists are actually paying for space. Oh, yeah. Uh to be at these places um you know you have to plan out your year, understand your finances and make sure that you're at the right shows where you're hopefully going to make your dough and uh and be in front of the right people and the right buyers. Absolutely. You can't just go willy-nilly at it, right? How do you kind of put a year together?
1: Well, I mean, thankfully, I've sort of had a place for the most part here in the city where I'm able to, you know, there's certain shows that I know that work and certain shows that, you know, may not work one year, but then the following year might be good. And then the third year, it may be all over the place. So it's always still a trial and error for sure. But I still find that, you know, there's certain venues that just seem to attract the right people. And, uh, you know, some people will... Uh, inevitably come up to my booth and say, oh, well, you know, we've been following you on Instagram and I think this is going to finally be the year. And, and when they finally carry through, it's, it's a great feeling because it's just a further extension of getting people familiar with the work. And I think sort of in, in a situation like this where you're being interviewed, as people start to see the person behind the work, they then start to build more of a connection to the artist and the, and the work.
0: What makes a good show for you? You were saying, what, what, how do you know when a show is going to work or has worked for you? What's the? Is it just that there's that the dollars came, or is it is it a type of buyer? Is it your type of buyer? How do you know that?
1: Well, certain bottom line. I mean, you want to cover. You know, as we lament, as we sort of, I like, guess, other participants in these shows lament, in the very least, you want to cover your base costs. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're making money beyond that, yes, it's fantastic. But what I find it sounds silly, but what I find most rewarding when I do these shows is it's one thing if someone comes up to your booth and starts asking basic questions, you know, like decor questions, but when they start asking like really, I don't know, more probing questions, I, that's not much personal, but when they start asking like from, from, a, from a very interesting point of view where they really want to know about the art process, and even if they're not buyers, it's just they want to know about the creative process, they want to know about the motivation and inspiration. So when I find when people ask really interesting, open-ended questions, that just, I I just find that just is such a blessing because it just, A, it makes the show much more entertaining. Of course, you know, we are there to make money, but again, the reality is, is it's when you're, you're, when you're engaging or people are engaged by what we do, it just seems so rewarding to be able to have that dynamic that, that someone really took an interest in, in, in what we are presenting and to really ask, as I like to say, really thoughtful, really inspired questions. And they're really enthusiastic about the answers. So that to me is, that's always been the, 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 the greatest reward with some of these shows.
0: What's the obvious question that you always get?
1: Uh, I think the, the unfortunate obvious question I always get is how long did something take? Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, you know, it always brings me to the Picasso story where you know, suppose he was sitting in the cafe and a woman had asked him to to do a a drawing for him. and she you know he scribbled out a drawing of a of a dove or something, and he said that would be thirty, thirty euros or whatever the story is. And she goes, "But you know monsieur, this took you thirty seconds to do." And he says, "Well, it took me thirty years to be able to do that in thirty seconds. Right. So that to me, is always one of the most tacky questions when people asks. Um, how long a particular piece might take. Because the reality is, is it's not so much that we're a factory and in a sense of routine, but because we're familiar with the individual motifs that each artist has. I mean, each artist has a signature style. Mm-hmm. So I think because of that, we're we're able to, lack of a better way, pump them out fairly quickly. But the reality is, is for, I don't want to say a layperson, but for the non-artist or potential purchaser of the artwork, they would probably labor over it for weeks and months where we might be able to do a piece a a rather large impressive piece in the question of a day or two. And that happens. And I have some pieces that I could just, the energy is right and it gets pumped out right away. And then there's some pieces I've literally worked on over the course of eight years where I'll just keep relayering the painting. I'll put it aside and almost let it ruminate and, 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 and just finally decide, okay, I'm going to, Attack it again.
0: Is that a creative block? Is that a, a doubt situation? What's happening there where you can't finish it? You can't find it.
1: I think it's the instinct. It's like when you know it's done, it's done. So it's like you know, it's like when you're checking on a cake in in the in the oven. You know, you put you you poke in the toothpick, and it's like when it comes out clean, you know it's done. And in the same respect, I find with with a painting, you just know that it's just right. Like there, it's like if I add one more brushstroke or do one. Or add on one more collaged element, it's going to push it over the edge. You know, just ruin the harmony that was achieved. And I definitely find that I think we just have an intuition to know, okay, it's where we want it to be, and we're and we're happy for it, uh, with it, and happy to you know find the right venue or, or opportunity to to hang it up. And I think you just know it's just in- instinct.
0: What are you hoping to achieve or convey? collectively as a whole you've had a career that's already spanned 25 years it's got a variety of different types of output that you that you've put forth what are you hoping to get across
1: well i mean, i don't know if like out and out fame is necessarily the i mean it certainly doesn't hurt i mean we all want to have again that sort of accolade but i think there's it's a question of you want to sort of feel that you've left a legacy that you know that either you've left a life that that had an impact on somebody that that you left behind something that you know it's it's not landfill but that it's something that that people will always appreciate and when people do come back and say you know we bought this chair painting of yours you know 15 years ago and we love it today as much as we did when we purchased it it's that sort of thing is again it's that reward that it just it's the affirmation of of the process so i think that's what we i guess really that's almost what we're hoping for at the end of the day that we didn't just go through the motion with with what we're trying to create, that we actually hopefully did create something that has, that that, that leaves a final legacy or, or remnant of who we were and what we did.
0: Yeah. I think all of us would feel that no matter what we spend our days doing, one of the lovely things about being a creator, an artist, a maker of some kind, you're conjuring something from the ether, you're forming it, and it didn't exist before. Right. You didn't invent painting, but that painting that you made is unique and individual. Oh, absolutely! Even when we're doing uh, work that is maybe less than inspired, and I mean that like you know work for a client that you're just not so thrilled about doing, or work for work for hire that you're like, oh my god, this is driving me crazy.
1: And you could see that in the work. You could see when a painting is kind of sloppy. And it's funny a commission. It's always great when we get a commission because you know, as I like to say, to be paid to to play. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is I find that a commission could really slow down the artistic process. Because again, if I'm just doing a painting that I think I'll present to a show, that's that's fine and it's pretty straightforward. But I find with some commissions that the client, rightfully so, I mean, they're paying for it, that they almost want to have too much of say or too much hands-on. So it's also trying to find that that interplay of being able to send them updates. And you know if they want the occasional tweak and what have you, that's fine. But you also hope that the painting in a weird way isn't as if they took a ghost, like from the movie Ghost, and just entered your body and just did an extension that, <laughs> it's, that you are no longer in the artwork. And so I think that's that fine line when it comes to that. You still want to, if you're going to sign off on a piece, you still want it to be your original. And so that sometimes I think is an interesting dance that could that could come about.
0: Yeah, that's tough, I think, for a lot of buyers, but a lot of people who are, are looking to commission something, they have something in their head that may... Not be achievable. I mean, again, it's not like you can just sub in an artist and go art for me, right? Make Absolutely. me this thing. It's like I don't know how to do that. I know how to do my stuff. If you want to pay me to do what I'm good at, right? I can make you something unique and interesting, and 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 that
1: will be something that you'll love. Absolutely. And there's been times when someone will say, "Can you do something like this?" I said, "I don't know, but let me give it a go." And yeah. if it works out, great. If not, you know, I, I'm I certainly know enough artists um that I can say, "You know what? I took your time, or you took my time to do this." Um, I don't feel it was a total loss because at least I played around with it. But here's some other artists you may also want to look at. But I find that when you start playing around, I think through that experimentation, you're, you're sort of opening up windows and doors you didn't think that you were able to, to do or, or imagine something coming out of all that. So I think sometimes I've, I've done work for clients or I've done work leading up to a show where it's like, oh my God, like where did that come from? And it's amazing when that that spark of inspiration comes up as well. So, you know, I, I, I myself, as, as any sort of real artist will do, we all will look at what other artists are doing, either in the historical sense or when we're walking around a show, we'll see, you know, a color scheme, a motif that, that we may like. But the key is how do you adapt it into your own work if you want to without being a complete forger um, and copying someone and so that could sometimes be a fine line too, that you you know, you know, like, oh, I like what that person did, but this is how I want to do it.
0: Right, reinterpret it and reimagine it.
1: Reinterpreting, you know, and I keep, a, a, I keep a, a box full of reference photos I get from design magazines and art books. And, you know, I have probably 150 uh, artists, you know, art uh, coffee table books that I keep as reference. And there's always elements that I can definitely say that, or people will say in my work, they'll say, oh, is that reminiscent of a Warhol or Basquiat or other artists? And I li- and I don't take it personally. If they do see that inspiration. But again, it's as long as it has the quote-unquote gleepers on touch. That's all I would, you know, that's when I know, okay, I could take the ideas of other people, but still make it my own. I mean, any other artist, the Warhols, the Picassos, the
0: well, artists, they,
1: they all... You know, they're all thieves one way or another.
0: Yeah, they made it their own and they made it amazing. Absolutely.
1: And I think that's- and Someone's got to
0: carry that on. That's a it. Are you doing this all on your own? Are you, do you have a team? How, how does this all work?
1: Well, all the artwork I do on my own. You know, there are some artists who at a certain level, because they can't, they simply can't keep up with production. They do have factories, for lack of a better way, that they have um, underlings and, and junior artists who do their work. And then the artist uh, signs- away the piece once they feel that it's up to their standards. Um, I do all the work myself, but the reality is, is it still takes a village. So I still rely on, uh, I don't drive. So I rely on either friends or my parents who may help me uh, drive the work to a particular art show or venue. Um, And then of course there's all the other people like the art suppliers and the dealer, you know, dealers um, in the galleries. Um, And even when it comes to shipping artwork abroad, or when I do an art show in the States is having to deal with, with the brokers and 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 those sort of elements as well, like things that are not in my necessary uh, was a uh, wheel wheelhouse. Uh, wheelhouse, But you know, still that you you have to be appreciative that that other people are willing to help.
0: Do you have somebody that's handling some of your business side of stuff, or is is it still you? And then with an outsourced kind of partner,
1: it's still me. But I know that there's. But I, I I'm more than happy to relinquish that. So I do have the occasional a commission that will come my way through an art gallery that might carry my work. So I'm happy to work with them on that under the advisement of what the, the gallerist may have in mind for their client. Um, So I'm happy to work with them on that. But really at the end of the day, it's still, I think it's still, I'm still at the center core of everything. What's
0: the, what's the toughest part about running your business?
1: Um, I think it's, I think it's just part of it is finding the balance of still being able to do the business side of things. And especially now that we're dealing with COVID, it's getting the exposure. You know, when you simply don't have shows or venues that are open or anywhere to go to, it's like, okay, now I got to th- put my thinking cap on and think, how am I going to bring people to my website? How am I going to direct them to my Instagram?
0: And what have you been doing to try and get that traffic and trying to keep that momentum?
1: Well, I've been trying to post at least two or three things on Instagram every day. And, and slowly, I'm getting a bit bit more focused that way. Um, it's just, I think part of it is you just want people to know that you are still doing this and that you're still out there. And, um, you know, any, any time a client might send me a photo of the artwork they purchased from me, uh, hung on their wall, I'll post it because I think there's that inspiration for people to say, oh, well, if they're if that person was confident to buy this person's work and look how cool it is in their decor, you know, maybe I'll finally take that leap of faith. And I find with um, Canadians compared to Americans, Canadians are much more conservative buyers. They have to, I I forget what the actual number is now. It used to be one out of, it was almost that people would have to see an artist's work seven times at a show before they committed. Um, Now it's something like 15. Like it's a a ridiculous number. Why do you think that is? Partly because there's so many shows. um, There's so many people who purport themselves to be artists. So it's, you know, and it's the confidence or it's the self-confidence to the buyer to think, "Oh, is this really what I want to do that when I put it on my wall, will someone you know criticize me for having purchased it?" So sometimes you I, I've been in situations where the wife, husband, partner, or whoever um, will love a particular piece, but it's they don't have the confidence to say, "You know what, I love this piece. I'm just buying it for myself. I, I won't worry about who else likes it." And when it comes to like a couple scenario, you have to get both people immediately on board. And so I always know if a, if a wife or a husband loves the piece. Inevitably, when they say, "Oh, let me bring my, let me bring that other person over," you know it's not going to happen because <laughs> inevitably that's when you start realizing the differences in a couple dynamic. But when you've got the couple are actually there, or they've seen your work online and they're both on board, then it's just it's soup it's smooth sailing.
0: What can you do to actually get that other partner on board? Have you ever successfully converted? Well,
1: what I have sometimes have told. People's a direct them to other work that I've done. I said I have, you know, if you like the motif, I have other work. But um, when I had my own art gallery, what was always a great incentive was because a lot of people don't have vision, uh, meaning they can't imagine what the piece would look like because they may think, oh, it's too small, or even more importantly, it may be too big for the space. And so I always say, let's bring the piece to your house. No obligation to buy it. We'll hang it up or not hang it up. We'll hold it up but in front of the wall. We'll even try it in different parts of your house. And, you know, inevitably you'll usually find that once it's in your home, you know, where you may think, oh, the colors in this are too intense or they're this and that. I said, inevitably you will have a pillow, you'll have accessories, you'll have a rug and you'll find that there's a reason why you gravitated towards the piece. And once you see it integrated into your own space, it will work. And I found that the number of times that, that a couple did not commit to buy a piece, I could probably count on one hand compared to the people that when you actually do say and convince them to bring the piece to their home, they're like, yeah. I mean, I, there's been situations where I've literally said, I honestly have nothing to say because I figured if I keep talking, I'll ruin this for me in the <laughs> sense that I think the piece speaks for itself and it works. And, I, and in the same respect, honestly, there'll be times when I've taken a piece and I'm like, yeah, this just doesn't work here. This just doesn't make, spe- uh, uh, make sense for the space. Um, but I think that's the personalization. And that's why even now uh, online, I don't know if you've seen, but there's there's different websites and apps that allow you to take an artist's work and scale it into a room scenario. And I think that's also great for that visual, you know, that visual element.
0: Right, to give them a sense of what it is in their space or in a space in
1: general. Oh, absolutely. And proportions and everything.
0: Well, I was even noticing, for example, on your on your Instagram, I really like that you actually often have yourself holding various pieces.
1: That's been a fairly new thing. And not to say that I'm afraid of, of, of having myself in there, I think it's good for scale. Yeah. Um, and as I followed, there's a few other artists who I've also noticed that because of COVID, they're like, I gotta find a way of doing this. So you know, we're doing videos of us with our work or the work itself, but now including ourselves in the work. So I think that people feel that there is a person that's behind the, the the individual piece,
0: right? It's not just an AI bot that's actually spewing exactly. paint onto a canvas, and you know, there's actually a human and a story behind each and every one of these pieces. Oh,
1: absolutely! And I've noticed in that regard, I've noticed that people have I'll get more likes when I've included myself, not because I'm such an egoist, but I think it's just the simple fact that I think they like the human element when they're looking at the art, as opposed to just the piece itself.
0: Yeah, I think that that's something that is going to come to the fore as time goes on, especially as we're more and more into our screens and certainly things like AI and VR and all of these sort of things become even more prevalent in our day-to-day lives, if you can even imagine that. Uh, that human side of things. I mean, art is always about humanity. It's the expression oh, of humanity. And so, you know, to be able to actually say, here's my piece, here's the piece. I'm holding the piece I made. I'm holding right. the thing that I actually conjured forth. Uh, I think it it just speaks to something in the viewer, no matter what, just subconsciously, I think they feel a little more uh, human attachment, their own attachment to it.
1: Absolutely, and that's why I mean, you know, my, my routine is always to wear T-shirts and 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 you know these sort of goofy hats. Um, but, so I think that's also plays into it as well that there's that there's always the es- eccentricities I think of the artists themselves that people will also find a little quirky and sort of like a bit of an add-on.
0: Right, a little um, personal branding routine. goes a long way.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's great. And I'm starting to see that shift that more and more artists are starting to, on on the Instagram, are starting to, um, like, as I have, as I was following a few other artists who did the same, to show, again, the scale, or to almost hold the piece as if it were such a valuable commodity, right? (laughs) almost like a jewel. That's like, why wouldn't you want to have it? <laughs> Almost, you know, tempting them in my most Vanna White kind of way.
0: I like it. Yeah, you definitely resemble Vanna White. That's right. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: With all of this going on between making everything, running the shows, now trying to figure out how to work without shows, how are you making it work? Being creative, running a business, and having a personal life?
1: Well, I mean, to be honest, as with a lot of the other artists, because we, we were texting and lamenting all the time and we're doing Zoom calls. Because um, all of us are, are quite honestly, having a very hard time being inspired. Um, I'll go so far to say I almost don't have a sense of purpose these days, um, because I, you know, if I don't have, you know, if I don't have the venues to take my work to, you know, um, a few weeks ago I was supposed to do the one of a kind show here in Toronto. Uh, I was supposed to do the Chicago one of a kind show last weekend, and those are two usually very good shows for me, especially the show in Chicago, and to not you know to have created an inventory of work and to not be able to go through the the exercise of hanging and, and displaying and interacting with people it 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 almost slowly kills you you know so you you know you you as we we always joke you know we want to wrap our arms around our knees and and rock back and forth cuz it's like what do we do you know especially as as the season progresses to see that okay Okay, maybe the show the shows in August and September will be a go. And as we start getting into June, it's like, will that be the case? And so part of it is is it is tough to find that motivation because some of us like uh, when I work, I'll do a whole cluster of work at one time. Partly because I had a whole bunch of shows that were all within a few weeks of each other, and now I've got a fair bit of inventory that now is either in my home or in in uh, storage lockers. Um, again, because I no longer have the studio, so it's frustrating to think, oh, what's the point of painting new artwork when I already have the old inventory and that's anyone's guess when I'm going to have that exposure um, or the opportunity to be able to get out there again like a real person and to, to be able to share my work and share my stories. And so that's been a common problem for all of us. And it's not a question of trying to cry me a riv- river. It's the, the common thread that a lot of people have been having is the lack of inspiration. And as I like to say it for myself, the lack of purpose because you we almost be, have become so defined by doing the work and being able to take it to different venues that it's that to have had that stripped away has been so frustrating
0: it's it's sort of the opposite of a of, of a farmer who's watching their produce go to rot on the on the vine right you've got a, a storehouse filled with these things that should be seeing the light of day and should be finding homes oh absolutely it would be incredibly difficult to sit there and just go, I really feel the urge to go out and generate more when you're seeing it just sit there and, and get dusty. I mean, what are you doing to combat that? Has anybody come up with any good ideas?
1: Uh, well, that's where we're, where we're definitely making the push at doing and showing our work online. We're definitely taking much more advantage of Instagram. So when you're flipping through Instagram, and if there's a certain number of artists that you're wa- that you yourself are watching, you're going to start seeing more threads from all of us and more feeds. So I'm posting at least two or three things a day with the hope that either something lands or just that I, I, I maintain being relevant, if you will, uh, for people. Um, for example, you have to still think outside the box. So mixed blessing, I was accepted into the Toronto Outdoor Art Fair, which is the big show at Nathan Phillips Square, mm-hmm. which is usually a phenomenal show. It's a very tough show to get into. You know, The, the flip side is it's a, it's a grind because you could be dealing with extreme weather of either getting a terrible farmer's tan or a torrential rain. <laughs> um, and this year, because it's been cancelled, um, it, it was set for the second weekend of July, but it's since been cancelled. So this year, they're going to take it online. And so instead of it being an outdoor fair for the four days that it normally is, it's going to be an online uh, platform for 10 days. So from July 2nd to July 12th. Um, I don't quite know what the parameters are. We had to pay uh, a fee for that. I guess for that, uh, uh, to have an online presence. And then I'm guessing each of us will have a page to be able to put on a particular number of works. The show itself is going to look after all the sales or taking a sales commission. And I think that may just almost become the new normal. Now, whether or not it's going to land, it's anyone's guess. You know, Some artists definitely have more of a following than others. I find that I have a larger following and I'm starting to get back into it. Um, whereas, you know, some artists just have a, a much more active following and people just buy their work. Um, but I think the new normal is a lot of art fairs that normally, you know, you're paying, you know, the outdoor show would have normally have cost $700 for a booth. Now we're paying $145 for that online presence. But in the even in the big boy art market, you know, a lot of galleries that would have spent tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, to do shows in Miami and and Switzerland, like the Basel shows. They now have to think of a new way of getting that exposure. So a lot of these art fairs are going online. So so the gallerists are paying to have an online gallery that will guide the person who, I guess, clicks on their space and guides them through the work that they're showing. And I think that's going to become the new normal, that online sales where people... You know, you would think that people want to physically see the work, touch it, engage with the the artist that it, I guess now if people are in their homes and there's no prospects of going away uh, or even doing any renovations, it's like, well, I might as well have something pretty to look at, or we've been talking about getting art. so let's finally you know take that leap of faith and that will be that will be an interesting thing to see what happens and comes out of that because even some of the other artists who were accepted into the show are very are are playing very cautious as to how. Viable a scenario scenario that may play out, but I figured you know what? What else do we have to lose than what we're then not showing at it all?
0: It, it's certainly better than nothing. I'm curious to see the what they're going to be able to put together in order to drive the audience there. Right, you know, just because there's so much to be said for foot traffic at a lot of these fairs, and and where certainly in you know the Toronto downtown they. People just wander through, and they're not just going to wander through the internet and find their way to this fair. So there's going to be a heck of a lot of back-end stuff that's going to have to work in concert in order for them to drive digital traffic to the site and to the various artists. And then you start wondering, well, all right, is it start, going to start to get tiered? How are people going to find you versus the next person down? Is it going to work like a, like you're walking through a, an actual virtual fair? Who knows? At this point, who knows? You'll have to see what it is, and, and hopefully it's at least reasonable for the, for the participants.
1: That's all we could hope for. I mean, you know, normally this time of year, I would normally be going down to OCAD to go to their Grad X, and, and that was cancelled, and so that's now online. So each artist, like each graduate, has you know, they have a page in their vocated department, and same thing, they have a, a dedicated page that has a, one or two examples of their work, a link to their Instagram or website.
0: But then you're driving them to a whole other platform.
1: That's just it. Like, you know, again, there is still, isn't that interaction of being able to see the pieces. It's like going to the gym. It's like half the workout is that like physically going to the place. <laughs> yeah. And so you figured when someone physically goes to an art fair, they're going to co- they're going to leave with something or, or, or a number of pieces. Whereas online, it's like, you know, they, are they're, they're scratching themselves in their underwear. And you're wondering, you know, is just, Yeah, an alternative to Netflix, or will it actually be a platform and a new a new platform and a new venue or a new way to sell art? And that's the big question mark.
0: What advice would you give to someone who's trying to get into the art world or trying to get into build something creative as a business for themselves, with today's day and age being what it is?
1: Well, if you're going to look at that in the sense of COVID itself, specific then I would definitely say you got to really push the online element because you can't necessarily rest on your laurels that people will know about your work. Now, if you have a bit of a history from having done art shows in the past, then you could hope that people will finally follow up and finally said, you know what, now's the time to finally do this. So I definitely think it's important to have an online presence and that would be Instagram, Facebook feed, to have a website, Because for a while there, it seemed like websites were a thing of the past, that people were liking the instant gratification of Instagram. But now there seems to be more of a call for people to have an actual website. So I think that's important. Um, I don't do it myself, but I think if you keep an ongoing blog, I think that helps. If you have the odd newsletter that goes out, if you've got a mailing list, I think just the idea of just staying relevant is important. Um, But if things, or rather when things go back to normal, I definitely think it's important for artists to be strategic to the types of shows and venues they do. You know, if they're going to show in an art gallery, an artist has to be prepared that they're giving up 50% of the cost of the, or the uh, the, the final price of the artwork to the gallery. So you want to be secure that the gallery, A, that the people running the show are really good people. Seemingly nice, and you know, you speak to other artists who are with the gallery to to see is this someone I can trust? You know, there are you know, there's always notorious stories of 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 gallerists who take the money and never pay the artists. Um, and I've dealt with that myself. I've had I'm probably at about over the years probably about fifteen thousand wow. um, dollars from from gallerists who just would sell the work. They go bankrupt. Uh, you you can't track them down. Whatever. So we all have. We all have those sad sack stories. Um, but I think it's a question of, uh, again, being careful about the types of shows you go to. So same idea. You, want to, you don't want to be obnoxious, which I have had, where some newbies, they literally do not want to go through the process of trial and error. And I think it's important for failure to, to, have, to have tried a show and it didn't work and you try it again. Um, I think you know, there's some people who are quite aggressive in that they really want to go from zero to a thousand. And I think part of what you have to do is to do it a, a, at a slower pace, even in this technological era, but to still experiment, try, out, you know, try out, see what people are liking the approach as to how you talk to people, you know, cause that's also important to see if you've got a rapport. Um, you know, sometimes the artist themselves is not the person to sell their own artwork. So sometimes they do need to have a spouse or somebody who acts as their voice. Because sometimes the artists could, you know, they could be standing around and, and shifting and their arms are crossed and they're picking their nose and they're just saying, Oh, I just do stuff. Like and so if they don't show a sense of of ownership and, and enthusiasm, how do they expect the buyer to pick up on those sort of social little innuendos as well? So I think it's it's research. I think it's like anything to, to go online, see what shows, go to the shows. And I think it's important to go you know, if there's a certain artist or artwork that you like, talk to the artist. Don't be obnoxious. I mean, you have to be mindful that it's still a place of business. So if someone else comes in looking at the artwork, you have to know to just put a little lull in the conversation and step back. But I think it's important to get that sense of, you know, what did you do? What shows are good? It's always ask questions and always be open. You know, I, I might have been doing this for over 25 years, but there's always more things to learn. And I think you have to always be open to learning.
0: Where can people find out more about you and your work?
1: Uh, I am on Instagram at MJG Gallery. Uh, I am online at markleaperson.com. Uh, I am also on Facebook under markleaperson, but I have another Facebook page, which is my gallery page, which is MJG Gallery. You're everywhere. Uh, I'm trying to be everywhere, you know, certainly with the, you know, when I had the shows, I was looking forward to that. I had a big roster of shows this year, Um, but really I'm, I'm trying to now direct people really to my Instagram and my website. And I think those are the two things that are most important because it is a competitive market.
0: Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make
1: a living. Oh, my pleasure. I really appreciate this. This was fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Making a Living Show is brought to you by me, but if you'd like it to be brought to you by you, then become a patron of the program at makingalivingshow.com. There's a button there that will take your money and give it to me. You can find me at robylevy.com. Thanks for listening.